Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. Today is January 10th of 2023, and this is season three of my podcast in episode two, and this is Q&A 126 made for my Facebook virtual coaching group. I'd like to welcome seven new members. That's the most I think we've had in one week. So uh, welcome Jeanette in Utah, Miley and Gina in Florida, Katie in West Virginia, Megan in Florida, Sarah in Tennessee, and Lainey in Georgia. That puts us at 229 people have signed up and 25 states now and the United Kingdom. So that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> Actually, with I think we're at 230. 233 now. I didn't update it with the other people. And West Virginia is a new state. So we're at 25 states now instead of 24. So that's pretty awesome. And um, I'm really enjoying getting to <clears throat> get to know barrel racers all over the United States. I personally competed in California, Colorado, Louisiana, Georgia, uh, Florida. But it's neat to get to see all the different parts of the country, your ground, your arenas, all of that stuff, and get to know everybody. So today's a good day. We've got a lot to discuss. Um, so uh, the topic today is we're going to talk horses, how awesome they are, and kind of get into a little bit of the psychology of working with horses and, and things like that. Um, I want to discuss the challenges for January. I have a few questions to answer as well. So I'm not going to waste any time and get right into things. But before I do, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, for all of you that have joined, uh, when you send me a video uh, for $15 a month or $150 a year, that includes one or two video reviews of training or competition per week, um, up to eight max a month. So if you only go twice a month to super shows, you can send you know three from each super show or whatever. But if you have multiple horses and you're making more than that many runs, you can pay for extra video reviews at $5 a run. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. That, that generally is going to give you more than enough homework um, because when I review a video for you, I tell you what I saw you do well and what I saw you that you can improve on. I also give you some advice for competition and also drills or dry work to do during the week for homework. So Generally, one or two videos a week is plenty to get you um, to make your progress because you really don't want to focus on a ton of things to fix at once. You really just want to focus on one thing at a time, and um, and that just helps stay focused um, generally. That's the best way to do that. Um, so when you send me a video, you can load it right in the Coaches Now app, or you can send it to me email or Facebook Messenger, and um, when I review it, I'll send it back to you that same way. Generally, as you all know, most people barrel race Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so most of the videos come in Sunday, Monday, so I'm usually slammed doing videos Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then things slow down Thursday and Friday just in time to start back up all over again on the weekend. <clears throat> and of course, I do lessons and clinics as well, so I do all of it around. Um, so generally, you're going to get your videos back reviewed within 48 hours max, you know, sometimes it's 24 hours. Um, if I know you're at a super show and you need help between go arounds, I'm going to try to bump you up and get your, you know, get you your video quicker. So like if someone's competing Friday and then they're not running again till next weekend, 
you know, you're just going to be on the normal list. But if you're at a super show and you need some help, I will bump you in there to try to get you advice between runs. You just have to make sure to tell me. And again, make sure to tell me if you want your video private. Otherwise, I do share some in the group for advice, not all of them, or it would be a little overwhelming because I'm averaging 30 to 40 videos a week right now, minimum, um, sometimes more. So I do, I do share, um, that way others can learn from those videos. So uh, I think that's about it. Um, don't forget, you can go into the group and go into the search box and type in any topic at the top of the search box. Um, it's a magnifying glass or a search box at the actual group in Facebook. You can type in mental game, first barrel, drills, anything we've ever talked about for two and a half years will pop up. And that's a good way to learn. Um, you also got the uh, membership came with a... Uh, website that has a members only page and I have over 150 training videos organized by topic there. Um, there's a year of uh, challenges. There's a year of Q&A there. Um, it's broke down in categories under cult starting, dry work, drills, how to pattern for barrels and poles, common problems, how to fix it, how to tune up on the barrels. Um, like I said, there's, uh, you know, just a lot of different things in there and it's all organized by topic. But you do have to copy and paste my website browser into, I mean, my website into your browser. Don't just click on the link or it won't work. And then once you copy and paste it into the browser, you click on the menu, members only page, and then you'll have a choice to put in a username and a password. And then you'll get right in and you can uh, review all of that as well. Um, everybody sent me an email when you sign up. You'll also get an invitation to the Coach Now app. You can use it by... Um, you know, if you'd like to, you can put your videos right in there, um, you know, whichever way you prefer. But that's where I'm going to store all your videos so I can keep track of your progress and what we're working on. So that helps me stay organized with this many members. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I think that's what I mainly want to cover. Don't forget this month's challenges for January is journaling. Um, don't forget to get yourself uh, my performance tracker off Amazon's only $10. And um, you can write down your weekly schedule, which we're going to talk about today. Um, you can write down your uh, one-minute positive sprint, how you get yourself in your mental zone, your pre-run routine, your positive thinking page, um, your gratitude board. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can write in your journal, your horse keeping, Coggins, vaccinations, warming, bodywork, vet appointments, farrier, dental. Um, there's a place to log all your barrel races and keep track of how you're doing. Um, so that way, next time you go there, you know what you need to work on. Um, <clears throat> a journal is so important to getting better. Uh, you know, you're going to, a lot of times we forget things or we come out and say, oh, I don't remember what I did. So after I review your run, you can go in your journal and say, okay, I need to work on straighter, longer, look between my horse's ears, or I need to work on bumping my horse before first barrel. You know, whatever you had to work on, less pocket, bigger pocket, whatever. Um, so those are all things that are important to making improvements. Let's see here. Um, what did I want to mention? Um, this weekend was filled with some, some stressful stuff. And I wanted to say that God is great all the time. Um, a member in our group lost a very good friend, Alabama barrel racer. A tragedy in the alleyway um, coming off of her run her horse went one way she went the other and unfortunately hit her head on a wooden post and um, 
passed away from the injuries, and that's very sad. Uh, it's heartbreaking, but I do feel like God has a plan for all of us. We never know when it is our time. Um, you know, she was doing what she loved, and um, you just never know with horses because they are, are you know, gorgeous, strong, beautiful creatures, but they also work off uh, flight and fight instincts, and they're very quick, and it's easy to stay with them when you know where they're going. It's harder when you don't. So we just have to remember we ride at our own risk every time. So be careful when you're around horses. I just want to say that on the ground and in the saddle, always just be careful. Um, I I believe in having faith. Um, I, I had, a, had to have a lot of faith uh, raising my son with a traveling husband. I had to have a lot of faith after my divorce, after 25 years with one person <clears throat> and moving to my new ranch and starting my business over only 80 miles away. But all of those things, uh, you know, when I got hurt um, on a client's horse and broke my hip as starting this virtual coaching group, everything has been a blessing. God God sold my house and found me a house in a week. Uh, when I got hurt, God put it in my heart to meet this lady who taught me about um, doing things like these coaching groups. And um, and that's how that that happened. So, so I believe that everything has ups and downs in life, but I also think that God is with you, and um, and if you pray about it, you're going to find your way um, through a hard time, whatever it is. If it's in competition or in your personal life, your business life, whatever, you will find your way. And, you know, and so while it might seem like a sad thing here, because life can change with every breath we take in every moment, um, just know that, you know, I, be I believe, I mean, everyone has their own beliefs, but in angels and, and the, an afterlife and all of those things. And I just, I think that the stuff we don't understand, it gives me peace knowing that, that that's all out there. So, so anyways, I'm going to go ahead and get right into Q and A's. Um, this week I did a, uh, podcast and put it in the group on the top 10 ways to get in your zone, mental toughness. So please listen to that because that's really important. Um, someone was asking me what's a good way to calm your nerves before a run. That was one of the questions, and that's why I made the most recent podcast. Um, but I used to sing a song whenever I'd get nervous, and I sang that song a lot. I sang it when I rode out in the cow pasture of the 500 acres with just me and my horses. It was Amarillo by Morning, George Strait. It's just very calming, um, makes me focus on the lyrics and gets my nerves relaxed as I sing quietly. Uh, to myself or to my horses and um, I would do that as I walk circles or sat by the trailer and um, and that just helps and then that way when you're heading to the alleyway when they uh, you know it's one or two drags out or they call your name and you're heading out to the arena you can just take a big exhale clear your mind and focus on one or two important parts of your run because you've already signed up checked in know what you need to do and those are the top 10 things I talked about preparing during the week arriving early so you're not rushed uh, but again you should listen to the podcast because it's a 15 minute podcast and I'm not going to do it again here just to save time but but anyways that was a question that came in and that's how that podcast was started um, the next question is how do you know if a horse is going to be 1d or not when you're training it um, as a trainer and training so many horses over the years I've learned that there's a feeling when you start a horse if they're going to be quick to something, if they're going to really take to it. 
if they're smart, if they feel really quick and athletic. Um, but it doesn't mean, so there have been, I've had probably four horses come in for training that I was like, oh yeah, this horse is going to be 1D. And sure enough, in six months, they were 1D. Um, but it's not to say that there aren't late bloomers out there, horses that learn to run later, that take two years to become 1D. Um, it doesn't mean that. It's just a feeling um, on a horse. And it, and it can be while you're teaching them their basics. And when you're beginning the pattern on them, you can just feel a certain athletic ability to them just when you're doing a drill and be like, wow, this horse has got what it takes. You know, it really is something to do with heart, mind, and athletic ability. It's just a feeling. But again, it doesn't mean that, um, and I can't tell you how many times people say, hey, we're looking at this horse. Would you let us know if you think it's going to be 1D or not? And you don't want to poo-poo someone's dreams. So there are certain horses that you can just feel that 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 it factor right from the get-go before they've ever been patterned. Um, but there are other horses that, like I said, are late bloomers and takes time. So, so I wouldn't put that kind of pressure on yourself, um, of knowing that I do think that there's just a certain amount of, um, you know, there, there's very few, I mean, a lot of horses are just natural to it. Those are the great horses that make great trainers or great jockeys. And then there's horses that are good. And if you work hard at it with them, they become great. You know, there's a lot more good horses out there than there are great horses. And there's a lot more that have to work at improving their skill and than there are that are just natural. It's the same with horse people. Some people just have amazing timing and feel. And other people have to work really hard to have good timing and feel. So um, the next question is, how do you quicken your horse's feet? If your horse feels lazy and you want to quicken them up. I think I have like five different drills that I like to do to quicken my horse's feet. Um, I really do like to do a giant circle and, and then roll back quickly and go the other direction. And I'll do that at a walk, a trot, and a lope. And I want them really moving off of my outside leg. Um, I, I like to get a little nose in my rollbacks. I like them to follow their nose and then use my inside hip of the way I'm rollbacking with my outside leg by the front cinch and maybe a little bit of neck rein, but it's mainly going to come off of my, my energy, my hip, and my outside leg. And I like to do a circle and a rollback because I want to fill them on their hindquarters and being, being light on their front end and quick with their front end. I also like to do my warm-up drill of circles and rollbacks because the circles get that fluidity and the rollback gets that handiness. Uh, the other thing I like to do is a pole pattern, but I do it two different ways. I like to do the poles where you're you're really flexing them and getting that nice soft lateral feel. Um, I also like to do, I do circles around the poles. Everything, all left circles, all right circles. At a walk, trot, and a lope, it works on collection and fluidity. Um, those are all things I like to do. I also like to do the um, hind end quarter turns, you know, at a walk, trot, and lope. So basically you're doing a square or a rectangle and you can stop and do a quarter turn or you can do it from being a little bit more fluid. It just depends on how light they're feeling, if they're feeling like they're collecting to their hindquarters and yielding their front end. So again, you're you're just trying to quicken them up. You're trying to get them more responsive. You may need to put on a spur for this exercise as well. Um, it's not to be mean or cause pain, but to get more precision. So if you squeeze with your leg and they ignore, and you squeeze with your leg and you smooch or cluck and they ignore, then you can press that spur into them. It's like a 
ask, ask, take kind of thing. You're going to ask light, ask again, a little more pressure, and then you're going to take it. So they have a choice to either get light and get, get light and quicker, or you're going to get heavier and harder and get more from them. So those are a few of my drills I like to do um, for quickening up a horse's feet. Um, you know, up down drills can work good too, because you're having them reach with their shoulders and push with their hips. So, um, <clears throat> I'll even do my spirals and then do a th quick 360 back out. So it'd be a large, medium, small 360 medium, you know, and then do uh, medium, large again, and just kind of do that left and right. And, um, so that way you're working circles with, uh, rollbacks or 360s in there. So. So that's always fun to do too. So I think that's the end of my actual questions other than um, ones that tie into our topic for today. So I do want to talk about horses. I've been doing this for two and a half years, this, uh, this coaching group and these podcasts, and only a few times do we actually just talk horses. And they are such an amazing creature. They're strong, they're beautiful, they're wild, they're fast. But they allow us to work with them. They allow us to ride them. Um, I personally have a huge love for horses. So my entire program is based on uh, a bond, building a connection and a bond to these horses with trust and respect and communication of cues. It's important to me to have a great relationship with my horses. Um, there's, there's two ways to train a horse, in my opinion. What I just mentioned, trust, respect, communication of cues or fear, pain, intimidation, exhaustion, forcing them, uh, making them do something even when they give you a no answer. I, I feel like with horses, we all know they're creatures of habit. They have certain ways about them. They're a herd animal. They like to be in a herd. There's safety in numbers for them. They work off of a pecking order. There's usually an alpha and that's the one that's going to eat first, drink first, tell them where we're hanging out in the pasture today. They also work off flight or fight instinct. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have to be careful around them because they can, um, if something startles them and you're standing by them putting on a leg boot, their instinct is to kick or strike if something comes at them and that could actually hit you. Or if you're just walking casual on a trail and something startles them, they can go from a walk to a run really fast. And if you're on a loose rein and not paying attention, it's real easy to come off. Um, and that could be from a branch breaking, a bird flying, you know, who knows? Um, so you always have to be prepared. And as, as horse people, we're just casual around them because we're around them so much, but we have to remember these are 1200 pound animals that work off instincts and their instincts are much stronger than ours. They hear things, they smell things, they sense things all a lot better. They even know you before you come to them. They can tell if you're coming just to say hello or give them a treat or coming to load them in the trailer to go to the barrel race. Horses are smart. They know what you're up to. They read if you're having a good day or bad day, probably better than you do. So um, it's just one of those things that we have to um, pay attention. You have to think of it even from the very, very beginning when they're born. Um, you, you know, to me, it's respectful to ask the mom's permission to greet that baby. And then the way you interact with that baby, you're asking that baby, can I interact with you rather than taking it? My poor colt, Rocky, 
he didn't have that option. And that's why I think bottle-fed babies or horses that were in ICU, they're different than most colts that are born and have a normal raising with their with their mother and interaction with humans. Um, a lot of times people, when they desensitize horses, they want to touch them all over certain parts of their body, but not other parts of their body um, because they want them to be a little bit sensitive in those areas. So, so they say, you know, there's ways of doing things. And in Rocky's case, he didn't have a choice. He immediately got uh, picked and prodded right away because he was sick. And he never got asked anything. It was like, here, we're picking you up. We're taking you. We're doing x-rays. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're sticking IVs in you. We're giving you this medicine and that medicine. And we're, you know, the only thing you might get a choice on is this bottle because you can't reach your mama's milk because you're too small. And um, if you're hungry, you're going to want this. And so he never got, hey, do you want this? It was, hey, we're doing this. So when you're a little guy like that, you have to be a fighter. You have, you're a fighter for your life. You're a fighter for people picking and prodding you. You know, you're just kind of like no options in life. You know, everything's just being come out of mommy and boom, everybody's picking on you. So, um, but so yeah, you know, and when, to me, I want to set my horse up for a yes answer. Even when I go to greet him, I'll have my halter in my hand, but I don't just grab my horse and go. I, I say hello to them. I rub their belly or their withers or their neck, whatever you know, allows me to say hello and say, hey, are you ready for this? You know, let's go work together. Let's go have some fun together. Instead of, you know, I want my horses to come to me, not run off from me. Sometimes they do run off though. And that's, I, I would watch that as a trainer. If my training horses weren't coming to me, that might tell me that, hey, they're either A, I'm pressuring them too much, or B, they're not liking their training, or C, maybe they're sore or something. You know, sometimes it can be respect, but if you're doing things the right way, if you're starting maybe in the round pen or on a lunge line and you're building that line of communication on trust and respect, you are giving, you're meeting them step for step on their calendar, not yours and not their owner's calendars. A lot of times in training, you're being paid to do a job and you feel pressured to get things done. So you're doing it for the rider, not for the horse. And I will often go back to the owner and say, look, this is where your horse is. This is where I'd rather stay. How do you feel about it? And most of the times, those people are going to pick the horse's schedule over theirs because you've been honest with them. So so if you pick a trainer and you're not doing it yourself, that's the first thing I would tell them is, hey, I want you to go at a schedule my horse wants and handles it, um, not forcing it, you know, based on our timelines. So to me, um, horses teach us every single horse I've ever met is an individual, just like every rider. And it's a constant lifetime of education. Um, I feel like that relationship, every horse is like people. They have, I like the Chinese elements per se, like there's fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And some of them are unique combinations of all of that. But I've had each style. I have Belle, which is my fire, and Sister was my earth, and Buddy was my metal, and Briscoe is my water, and Rocky is a little bit of a wood combination with a fire. Um, but every single one is unique and different. And some are combinations. Maggie's a combination. And um, each horse has their own 
elements. It's just like people. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. Some like to be around a lot of people. Others like the quiet. Some learn by doing, some learn by watching. You know, it's the same with horses. They're all unique. And I do feel like um, not all of them want a barrel race. And sometimes when you're just struggling with a horse, they may prefer something else. They may prefer to go work cows or, or to jump or to trail ride or obstacles. Some of them just need variety because they get burnt out. You know, just take them on some trail rides, mix things up for them, go work some cows. Um, you know, you just don't want to force things to them. You know, that goes back to that idea of do you want a horsemanship with a horse or cowboy a horse I don't believe in um you know to me a horse should never get hurt I should never get hurt my principles and theories my horse should end um calmer than they begin um you know I, I want to meet them in the middle all the time for yes answers as much as I can um do I want them respectful yes just like in a herd I want to be the alpha of our herd. There may only be two in our herd, but I will be the alpha. But I'm also fair. If you watch how alpha in their herd um, says, you know, I want the water right now or I want the hay right now, they pin their ears or open their mouth and the other horse gets out of the way. Rarely does the horse have to kick or bite because they set that pecking order at one time, you know, that, hey, I'm in charge. And some horses, just body language is enough. Other horses take a little bit more boldness before you know they actually get two hooves kicking them or whatever or a bite um so those are all things you have to think about when you're you're working with a horse um i look for i look in their eyes a lot there's a lot you know when you go to greet your horse you can see that kindness and that connection in your horse's eyes um my rocky he always comes running to me whinnying and it's not for food. It's just anytime he sees me. Sometimes if I haven't been to the barn in a while because I'm working on videos in the house for a long time, I hear him on the monitor whinnying for me. It's like, hello, are you in there? So, you know, I think it's important to have that bond. Um, and I think bottom line, you should always put the horse first. I do feel like a horse is a product of their environment. You can tell a horse that has been overpressured or had a bad experience, and I cannot tell you how important your cult starting is. I personally love Clinton Anderson's cult starting series. I bought those DVDs back in 2000, I believe, um, before Clinton Anderson. That was when he was doing free clinics, and he just moved here. Um, but before him, I used John Lyons when I was in Colorado. Um, I also used Monty Roberts, Buck Branaham. Tom Dorrance. I love all of those. Uh, the thing about Clinton Anderson is back back then um, in the 90s, we didn't have all these awesome videos that we have now and you can get everything on YouTube or stream it or whatever. But um, I think DVDs were just coming out. VHSs were back then. So you could get books and you could get VHSs um, and things like that to watch videos. But um, you could go to their clinics but I loved, I loved all of those, John Lyons, Monty Roberts, Tom Dorrance. I loved all of them because of their line was horsemanship, the relationship between a horse and a human. And um, it was based on join up. It was based on give and take, um, timing and feel. It was based on what's natural for a horse and, and us um, 
you know, communicating with them. It's like if you go to Japan and you don't speak Japanese, you're going to feel real, real uncomfortable, real, real fast and lost and confused. So it's like we have to learn how our horses are talking to us and we have to learn to talk horse and listen and hear horse. And, um, and that's what, that's the best horsemen. They just understand how to talk horses. That's why people call them horse whispers. It's just the same. If you've ever seen anybody who struggles to load a horse for an hour and then someone else walks up and loads them on a minute, you know, it's that horsemanship. It's just something about the way that they are with a horse. They have that timing of when to ask for something and when to back off and set a horse up for yes answers. And, um, you know, people are like, how did you do that? You're a miracle worker. It's not that. It's just all these years of working with horses. Now, does it always go that way? No. Sometimes they have so much baggage that it takes a lot more time and you have to break it into more pieces. And that's what I want to talk about as well. You'll often find uh, there's there's a there's extremities extremes in everything there's going to be that spoiled horse or that horse that's cowboyed to death there's that really mean training or that really spoiled let them walk all over you or there's that in between and i would recommend you find yourself in that in between and realize that you don't want to force everything on them you kind of want to give them choices but you want to make the choices let's say they're standing you want to stand and they want to fidget so, so you could be um, reactive and be like, stop it, quit it, you know, pulling on the reins, holding them in place. Or you could be proactive and say, okay, I want this horse to stand. So I'm going to either A, um, ask him to face flex left and right, or B, stand and let them choose. So if they choose to keep fidgeting, I'll face flex them and then I'll give them the opportunity to stand again. And then eventually they're going to get so tired of face flexing laterally, they're going to choose to stand. And so that's the example. You know, I, again, I could have forced it. I could have just held those reins tight and be like, whoa, whoa, you dumb horse, whatever. Or I could say, okay, left flex, right flex. So meanwhile, I'm still working on getting my horse supple or I'm teaching my horse patience to stand. So it's a positive. And that's what I'm trying to say the example of. And um, a lot of times you see horses that have been pressured, like they didn't get groundwork correctly they got a saddle slapped on them and they got bucked out in the round pin they got a rider slapped on them they got bucked out in the round pin those horses are scared um they were cowboy they were broke hard the horse that never bucks as, as a, a woman trainer i didn't want horses bucking so i did tons of groundwork and like i said i followed a lot of those uh, natural horsemanship guys and did so much on the ground that by the time i got in the saddle the horse was perfectly okay with it and that's why if you choose a colt starter choose that colt starter not the one that bucks them out i hate seeing those videos on tv i mean on the internet of horses rearing and bucking and bolting and accidents i feel so bad for the horses and i did i get so angry with the riders it's like that's just doesn't have to happen anymore you know, it shouldn't have to happen anymore. Even if you have a really rank colt, just spend more time on the ground until they're more sacked out. You know, you don't have to set a horse up for failure. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is schedule for horses. And then that's where I'll probably close. I'm going to put a picture underneath this podcast in the group of a weekly or excuse me, a monthly schedule that I like to do. But I do believe a schedule needs to be based upon the individual horse. 
some horses are really hot. Some horses are really lazy. Some horses are at the beginning part of their training. Some are just older and just need conditioning. Some need more tuning up. Um, so it's going to really vary. But when, as a trainer, I had, you know, sometimes I'd ride eight horses in a day when I was at my, my peak of my training. You know, as I aged, it was, you know, four to six horses. And then at, towards the end, it was two or three horses in training plus my own horses. Um, but at the peak of it, it was hard to keep my schedule. So in front of each horse's stall, I put a monthly schedule and on that schedule, I would have the type of work they would get groundwork, GW, dry work, I'd say dry, drill, DR, barrels, B, and that usually meant slow, slow barrels, not fast, trail for T or O for off or C for compete or haul for H. Um, if it was a horse that was in training. So that was also an option. Like if you're just exhibitioning or getting exposures, um, that kind of thing, exhibition. So those are all options you can have for your schedule. And then at the top, I'd have Monday through Sunday and I'd make columns for one week, two week, three week, four weeks of each month. I put the name of the horse at the top, the month, the date of the month. And, um, and each day I'd write on a little box if they had the day off, if we did groundwork, dry work, drills, trails, slow barrels, compete, haul, whatever it was. And um, generally at my place, they worked five days a week. Um, sometimes they'd, uh, they'd have one or two days off and the owners always came for a lesson one day a week. So you could add lesson on there too, if that's what you're doing as a trainer. Um, but all of those things were how I did it. So now when I was choosing what I should do for who, um, I based it upon the individual horse. You know, if they were lazy, you can go into the TLC training notebook and also into the group and you can search uh, drills for laziness or for anticipation. If they were hot, I, I would search rate, you know, um, transitions rate. Um, what is dry work? Dry work is someone asked me that about when they're, you know, deciding what to do with their horse. Dry work is rollbacks, um, loose rein woe, backing, leg laterals, face flex, flexing laterally, vertically. Um, it's transitions. It's backing circles. Um, it's a lot of the stuff that you would do without any patterns, just you and your horse getting soft and supple, um, getting suppleness and body collection. That's your dry work. And then drills is what I would consider like when I'm working circles or squares or spirals or D pattern or inline barrels or figure eights or, you know, anything like that. Um, fence to fence drill, um, you know, rubber band, you know, windmill, all of those things are my drills and I do them for different reasons. Am I working on rate? Am I working on anticipation? Am I working on using the hindquarters more? Um, if I'm working on flex or fluidity, uh, riding the hiney in the hole, um, all those different things. So those are, that's how I decide my schedule. Um, so when you're working with a horse, if you have a sensitive horse, you need to treat that horse a little different than if you have an aggressive or pushy horse. Um, Briscoe is ultra sensitive. Rocky is really pushy. And I think it's the difference in how they're, they're made. Number one, just their own personality, horsonality. And also their, their life, you know, and how they were, you know, started in life, you know, um, very, very different. 
Um, Briscoe was left to be more like a horse for a long time where Rocky was picked and prodded in the hospital and for the first two months of his life. So, so, you know, it's just, um, a big difference. So, so when you're working with horses, I want you to always remember, I, I want to close with saying, always love that horse first and, and appreciate the majesty of a horse that they allow us to ride them and work with them and all of that. And, and try to make it about a connection and a bond with your horse versus the, the other, the cowboy, the intimidation. You'll hear people tell you to do stupid things. Oh, a horse won't tie, put them in a halter that won't break in time to oak tree. Well, either the horse is going to learn to tie or they're going to break their neck. Me, that goes against my principles and theories. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy a tie ring and I'm going to teach that horse to tie with a tie ring. And, um, and that way, if they do have to set back 20 or 30 feet, they don't break their neck. And eventually they learn that it's okay. They don't have to be claustrophobic or scared. Um, you know, there's a horsemanship way to do things. There's a cowboy way to do things. And don't let people tell you how to do things if it feels against your gut. And that's the other thing I want to stress. Not only safety around horses, um, I sent an email to every member and I also posted in the group that before every clinic or lesson, I have people sign a liability release form. Florida has a statute that says under um, equine law in Florida, uh, as sponsor or equine professional is not liable for injury or death of any participant in equine activities resulting from inherent risk of equine activities. And that's the thing. It, there, it is dangerous working with these animals. So I want you to always be careful around them on the ground when you're putting on the leg boots or going behind them, um, tying them up, getting them out of the trailer. There's a safe way to load and unload. I never open a trailer door before I untie a horse. I've seen too many wrecks. I never tie a horse till I shut a partition. Um, I've seen too many wrecks you know, whether it be the horse get hurt or the, the handler get hurt. Um, I do to try to, you know, make sure I do my horse training for trailer loading and unloading at home, not the day of the show, but every, every day, if they need it every week, if they need it, um, you know, being prepared really matters. So those are all things I just want to leave you with for thinking about, um, and like I said, I will go ahead and post a schedule in the group and we'll be talking about that more in the weeks to come because of the challenges for journaling. Um, this, this time, I really would like for you to write down your five, five things for 2023 you want to improve on for you or your horse and just write five things and keep them in mind. It could be mental game. It could be something in your foundation, rider cues. Um, it could be a multiple of things for you and your horse. Um, so write it down five things for 2023 that you want to work on for you and your horse from skill to mindset. So that would be it as well. So, but I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I really hope it gave you something to think about. Um, I want to, uh, also close with saying to everybody, those of you that have listened to the podcast and joined, that's awesome. Um, those of you that are listening to this podcast and are members already of TLC's group, um, or attended a lesson or a clinic. Um, the biggest thank you can give me is always um, telling a friend. So I appreciate that when you do that or a shout out on Facebook. I always appreciate that. Um, the uh, new service I'm offering to you guys, and it's not any more money. People get confused a little bit 
about what all services are available. But for that 15 a month, you do get one or two videos per week of training or competition, eight max a month if it's, um, uh, if you're going to a couple super shows a month. Um, but the new service is, um, if you want a phone call to discuss your goals for the new year, we can set up a time for a phone call and go over your, um, your goals for this year, all, all the way down to your schedule and, um, everything that I cover in my performance tracker. So I will do that for you. And then we can always follow up in, you know, three months or six months, because I know it's hard to always type everything. And sometimes a phone call just makes things a lot easier. So if that's something you want, just let me know and we'll set up a time. Um, the other thing I just want to say is God is great. Um, our prayers are always, um, heard. And I heard something on a show. It was night. I was watching 1923 and, um, Elsa, the character from 1883. I really enjoy these shows. They remind me of the Lonesome Dove type shows or Tombstone, those kind of older movies. Um, but she says in there, God always hears your prayers. The answer is either going to be yes not yet, or I have something else in store for you. And I thought, you know, that is very true. So uh, when we find ourselves stressed about things, the best thing you can do is just pray about it and let God um, handle it. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Um, ride with heart and God bless.